Thank you so much for tuning in to the Defending Christianity podcast. I'm your host, Levi Dade, and in this podcast, we aim to talk about the evidence and reasons for why the Christian faith is true and why it is good. We do this with the hope to encourage the church to engage the culture around us and to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus as 1 Peter 3.15 commands. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. But it's just it's it's all about restoring uh, restoring meaning back to the word abortion, you know, just kind of showing what it is. And then I point out the fact that we don't kill innocent, defenseless human beings for the for the reasons that people give to justify abortion. That none of them are good enough to end the life of an innocent human being. So I'm curious when you give those presentations on college campuses, do you have a Q and A? I I do, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, I, it, do, depending on the event, but I always Q and A is my yeah. favorite part. <laughs> yeah. I was, oh, of course, as, as an apologist, I mean, it always is, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was curious if you had any arguments or responses from your power to your PowerPoints that you've heard over over that time doing it that did make you have to stop and say, wait, how do I answer this? Like, was there any tough responses that you've ever had? <sighs> yeah, I mean, so so there's two components to this discussion, which we alluded to at the very beginning of our time. There's, there's the intellectual component, which is uh i think solid um we don't take the life of innocent human beings the pre-born are innocent human beings therefore we should not or ought not take it take their lives excuse me uh that that is uh logically i think it's 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 solid backed by science but then there's the emotional component and for me i um so i'm a pastor kind of at heart and i love people and that kind of goes into what we said before, you know, I just want to say, I, I want to put on God's eyes when I look at people. So this is why I like Q and a the most, because I get to relate to people and, and yeah, then they get yeah. to actually see that I'm a human being like not oftentimes we, we in apologetics can come across as like kind of robotic and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sometimes we're viewed as like, we just want to win the debate. And when they, during the Q and a period, they get to see that I'm a human being and I wrestle with this stuff. And so when I hear stories from people, uh, my heart really does break for them, you know, um, but it doesn't make me stop and reconsider my position. So, so when I hear, when I hear somebody's personal testimony to their story, um, I always take a brief pause. The facts are on our side. Uh, the, the facts are on our side, the biology, the science it's on our side on this position. And, and, um, so I don't ever struggle with the intellectual side. I do struggle with the emotional side when I hear of a, you know, a 12 year old girl being raped repeatedly by her stepfather and becoming pregnant. And I understand the difficulty um, with, trust me, because I'm defending the position with, I think that that innocent human baby is deserving of life. And I think that's the best choice, but it doesn't make it easier because the facts are on my side. doesn't make it easier for me to relate and then translate that answer to a person. Um, Mm So while I, yeah, so, so I, I get hard questions, but they're not intellectually hard because I think intellectually we, we have the, we have the, the facts on our side, but emotionally uh, it can be really difficult. And we want to let these things weigh heavy on our heart by like, we should, our heart should break for these people. Um, because the, I mean, for a number of reasons, right. Our heart should break for the unborn, but our heart should also break for the, for the men and women who have to struggle through this. We, we got to lead with compassion here. Yeah. Um, but it's but yeah. it's never justifiable to take the life of an innocent human being ever. That's why that yeah. fundamental question, what is the unborn, is so important. Yeah, I think 
many people, many pro-life people assume that everyone who is pro-choice is um, knows that it's it's a human being and that they are malicious in their in their support of it. Yeah. Some, I think that that's not a good way to approach it because then we see them as we can't relate to them as well. Seeing them as people yeah, who well, do struggle with that and who actually do see that as the only or the best choice for not just them but also for the baby. Which yeah. Is, yes. But but to them, that's something that they're struggling with and seeing them in that light can change our tone with them as well. And and our tone should be soft. You know, I, when I see mm-hmm. people, I was, I was a new Christian. Uh, I've only been a Christian 15 and a half, 16 years. And um, I remember when I was a brand new Christian, I was maybe a Christian for two years. I was on my first anniversary with my wife. We were up in San Francisco and we were circling our hotel because the parking garage was close. Anyways, on the corner of our hotel, there was a big, huge demonstration. And there were these people, Christians, holding the signs. Um, it was an anti-homosexuality protest. And they were holding, you know, God hates, and then the F word, the derogatory word for, for gay people. God hates gay people, ultimately, is what they're saying. And and then they another sign says, you know, um, repent or burn in hell. <laughs> and I remember like being so heartbroken uh, for two people, for those people holding the sign and for the people that are walking by that don't show the Christian, that don't share the Christian worldview, because they're getting like, while the sign that, that, you know, repent or burn in hell, it, it might be factually correct. Like it might be factually correct, right? There is such a place as hell. And, and, and there are people who will spend eternity there in torment, but that's not how we communicate it because there's no love there. There's no compassion. Jesus isn't in that message. And the same is true for abortion. Like when I see these, like these guys yelling at, uh, at, at mothers and, and fathers walking into an abortion clinic, clinic, uh, my heart breaks for the person that's walking into the clinic for the unborn child and for the, that Christian who thinks that they're doing good, but they're not tone matters, you know, tone, um, and, and how we present the message, it really matters. We want to, we want to have, you know, knowledge, wisdom, and character, the three pillars that, that we stand on at stand to reason, right? We have to have the knowledge in order to present an argument, right? We have to have the wisdom, the know-how to present it, but we also need character. And, uh, and this is Jesus's way, right? We, we, um, we want to represent Jesus as an ambassador and we always want to represent him well. And, uh, and we have to let our heart break for the people that are in these hard circumstances because they are hard, by the way. Um, they are hard. If, if you're in a situation that you don't see any way out, uh, except for abortion, if you're, uh, if you're, like I said, that, that 15 year old girl who, uh, like her parents will literally abuse, like seriously abuse her if they find out that she's pregnant, this is a hard decision to make. And we need to recognize that and then move towards it with compassion and love. If that makes sense. You asked a question that I kind of want to go back to, cause I've been thinking about it. You know, you asked that, that last question that you asked, um, about uh, what like is a difficult response. I would say that like, I mean, a difficult question that I get during the Q and a, I would say that the, it's not difficult, but the one that's most common is the idea that the unborn isn't a person, you know? And I think that that's important to kind of highlight uh, because I do get that every, every time, every time I get that question, well, yeah, it, it you know, it, it's an, it, it's, there's no personhood. It's, it's an unborn human being. Yes. Biologically it's a human being, you know, and, but it's not a person. And it, it, that, that question I think is, is for me, one of the more difficult questions to, to navigate, but we can navigate mm-hmm. it. You know, um, the unborn differ from uh, like what, what the, what the objection does is it points, it, it's trying to say that the unborn differ 
from uh, a newborn uh, in a number of ways normally. And this is the SLED yeah. acronym. I don't know if you've come across it. You know, normally, uh, you know, they'll say, well, it's it's not the it's SLED size, level of development, environment, and yeah. degree of dependency. I have heard this. Yeah. So it's like, uh, so, so they'll say it's not a, people often say it's not a, it's not a full person because of how big the person is, or um, it's not as developed. It's not developed into a person. So they're, they're using a, an external, um, they're a measure to define when personhood starts. And there's serious problems with that. Um, you know, size, I mean, we're all different sizes. Uh, I'm six, three. How, how tall are you, Levi? Um, I'm about six, even. Okay. So I'm bigger than you. So, so I'm in size. Uh, am I more human than you? Or am I more of a person than you? Of course not. You know, a uh, level of development, you know, I've got a five-year-old daughter. She is definitely not as developed as my 12-year-old daughter. <laughs> you know, is she less of a human? No, she's not less of a, she's not less of a person because of her level of development environment. You know, does, does my personhood shift or change wax or wane according to where I find myself. If I'm driving in my car, am I less of a person than I am if I'm sitting on my couch? Of course not. Then what, what changes between the baby and the womb? And all of a sudden it travels what nine inches or so or six inches down the birth canal uh, and, and is born. How does it become a person? How does she become a person then? Or um, degree of dependency, right? So people will say that, well, the the unborn child is completely dependent upon the mother for its survival. Well, a newborn baby at, at, uh, you know, six or a newborn or six month old is completely dependent upon somebody else for its life. Not only that, I mean, there's, there's a vast population of people who find themselves dependent on any number of medical technologies, whether it be dialysis or uh, breathing machines or oxygen tanks or, or what it might be. Are they less of a person because they're dependent on an external factor or another person to sustain their life? Of course not. So that's the, uh, uh, I would say that that's the most difficult or most common objection that I get. It's not a person. So I just want to revisit that to draw that yeah, out. Yeah. It seems that that would almost not change the question, but maybe shift the question to um, did, for it to be murdered, does it have to be a person or a human? Um, or it could be, is the unborn a person or what constitutes personhood? Yeah. Because that criteria, I don't think works, as you pointed out, for many reasons. Yeah. And, so, and this is a, this is usually where I'll, I, as Christians, we often shoulder too much burden. Like we, we try to answer everybody's every objection and we don't need to do that in this instance. For example, when somebody says, oh yeah, um, we, uh, abortion might be taking the innocent life, but that life's not a person. My response could be in any number of questions uh, at first, cause I want to gain more information. I want to talk to this person. I don't want to just like, you know, lay out the case because I, I don't need to right now. I want to say, well, that's interesting. How, how do you define person and why is, why is your, or why is your standard personhood? So we can, we can take its life before it's a person. And then at what point in life does he or she become a person? And, and that, cause that they, they're going to see through a line of questioning. I think that their, their standard is completely arbitrary. And it can be different. It, it's subjective. It can be completely different. I usually bring, I'm, I'm really, really good friends with, um, with this guy, Nick Vujicic. He's uh, a guy with no arms him. and legs. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, he is a great example of this because they'll say, well, it, you know, uh, the size, it, the, it's just small. The, 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 the fetus is just two cells, right? The embryo, two cells. And I'll say, well, that's, that, that, that's an argument from size. So are you saying the bigger something is, the more 
uh, the more of a person it is. Like we drew this principle out between you and I, but Nick is a great example because Nick has no arms and legs. So, so Nick is smaller than me in every regard. Nick is completely dependent on another human being for his survival. He can't feed himself. He can't cook for himself. He can't drive a car. He can't get to his appointments. He needs somebody with him all the time. So is it a degree of dependency issue? No, of course not. You know, we see this all the time um, drawn out. And then these are just good examples, but you do it through questions, you know, and get the person to, to start thinking about their position critically. And we don't have to, like, let's, let's stop shouldering all the burden. Let's start requiring the person to bring in the objection to have to kind of uh, provide evidence for the position. So your standards personhood, why do you believe that? Can you tell me? Why do you, why is it, why is it personhood that adds uh, the val value to a life? You know, you, it, let's like you, and, and oftentimes, again, you're met with uh, complete silence. So to review our, our um, principles and this, we have focused on the main question, what is the unborn? Bring meaning back or restore meaning to abortion and what that actually looks like from the abstract to the concrete. Um, and your third one was, can you repeat that one? I didn't get to write that one down. The third one was, um, well, it was having to do with, I think it was having to do with the, the, did you say the personhood objection already? Oh, thank you. That's what it was. Yeah. So it's the personhood objection, you know, and SLED, S-L-E-D, SLED, size, level of development, environment, degree of dependency. These are great things for, for your audience to just memorize you know, because uh, it's a major objection that's brought against the, the pro-life position. And if you can just memorize these things, that, that it, it, none of these four factors determine uh, personhood, size, level of dependency, uh, I mean, uh, level of development, degree of dependency, and environment, although that's out of order. Um, but if you memorize these facts, you can remember, and then you can just make your case uh, to somebody who brings up the objection. So, oh, it's not a person because it's, it, it's not born yet. Okay, so environment, because because the baby is in, or because the fetus use use their terms, um, if you want, because sometimes we'll be accused of using a, using a baby to cause people to have, to feel emotion or sympathy towards. Okay, fine, fetus. So because the fetus is in the mother's womb and not through the birth canal yet, it's not a person. How have you come to the conclusion that that's the case? Like how what, what at what moment at what place in the birth canal? does personhood happen? And, and what happens? What is imparted as a fetus becomes a newborn baby? What's imparted to that being oh. yeah. that lends personhood? You know, well, no, it's, it's not mm -hmm. the environment, no change of environment, because it's only one thing that gives value to a person. There's only one thing. And that is that we're made in the image of God, you know, and that's, that's obviously a Christian argument, but I don't mind using the Christian argument. I mean, because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we appreciate you having you on the show. Uh, we're about out of time, but I do want to ask to those who, who are listening, who are Christian and want to be able to defend the uh, pro-life uh, position and clarity, what, what other encouragements might you have for them? And yeah, I, I mean, I would circle back to where we kind of began. Uh, learn some facts, learn how to uh, converse in a, in, a, in a way where uh, you kind of, there's no pressure on anybody and don't shy away from these conversations. Uh, the abortion conversation is one of the most important of our day because, and, and because it, honestly, we, we have a, every year we have a Holocaust in our country, uh, millions mm -hmm. of babies, millions of innocent human beings are killed. 
and it's happening every single day. And this is, if, if what we say is from the Christian perspective, from the pro-life perspective, if what we say is true, uh, this is a tragedy. And our hearts like should really be burdened with this every single day. We should, and we should be moving into the issue uh, because I think we have the best position. Um, but, and we didn't talk about this, but um, also have resources, have, have uh, answers to objections. Some of the objections that you're going to get that we didn't cover are, you know, are you going to take care of the baby? Are you going to adopt all the unwanted children? Have, have resources for, for people when you're talking to them, saying, say, no, well, no, I can't adopt the baby, but I have, I know, I know of an organization who will. Number one, unborn babies, like newborn babies, like are in demand for people to adopt, by the way. It's, we have this image and the objection tries to conjure up this image that somehow the, the newborn baby is going to rot away in the foster system. And that's just not true. There, there are waiting lists for people to adopt newborn babies. So the baby will be cared for, you know, um, or, or uh, are you going to pay for this baby? You know, maybe, maybe join with your church and say, hey, can we set aside a, a, a uh, a part of the budget. This is what I used to do. I used to walk into these conversations with people because, and I had money that I could offer and say, you know what, we will take care of you. Like no problem. I had, uh, I had people willing to volunteer a guest house on their property for nine months after the birth of the baby. So wow. they would do nine months up till, and then they do nine months after I had uh, a doctor in our congregation who was willing to care for that woman for free. I have uh, a lawyer friend who runs this great organization, um, raising hope. She was willing to handle the adoption for free if they choose to go that route. A really great lawyer. I mean, all of these services are available, by the way, um, by the state in most cases anyway. But how much better to have it come from the church where there's no obligation, there's no requirements, there's no, and they they will get loved on by the Christian community. But so my advice is for people that want to enter into the conversation, know the facts, know the arguments, get get some tactics in order to have these conversations, but then have resources available on the spot to offer to these moms and these dads. I used to say to women, you know, I, I cannot tell my parents, I said, you don't know me, but know what? I will go with you to your, your house and I will, I will stand by your side as you tell this to your parents. I will counsel you through it. I will help you. I'll be there every step of the way. I have people in our church who would want to care for you and take you in, you know? And, and so all of these objections, one by one, if we walk into the conversation with solutions, it, they just, they just topple down. Okay, done. Mm-hmm. Will you adopt my baby? My wife and I have a standing agreement that if, if anybody ever says that to me, I'll say, yes, absolutely. I will adopt your <laughs> baby. I, I, so how do you respond to that? Right. Cause they often at that, that incident in Plymouth, when I was, when I was, had my daughter on my shoulders surrounded by all these pro-choice people that I got that all the time. Oh yeah. Are you going to adopt my baby? Yes. And what do you say to that? Uh, never mind. No, they just walk away because it's not about that. There's other things yeah. going on, right? So, anyways, that's that's I, my I, advice. I can hear, I can imagine someone saying, "Well, are you going to adopt everyone's babies?" <laughs> yeah. Well, how how many babies and, do I have to adopt? You know. Like, yeah. How many is enough? Yeah. You know, Greg Kokel did this on. Uh, in uh, anyways, Greg Greg does a great job at this because Greg has two yeah. adopted daughters, and how many do I have to adopt to to, yeah. to change your mind? A hundred. If I agree to adopt a hundred babies, will you not be? Will you be pro life? Of course not. That's because that's not the issue. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Okay. Um, so where can people find you on, on social media, some resources that you may have online about this or other issues? Sure. The, um, I actually just did, I do a, a bi-weekly live video across pla- social media platforms on the stand to reason uh, handle. So um, I just did a, a last week or two weeks ago, a video on uh, abortion 
so they can check that out. It's called To The Point with John Noyes. I'm on the STR website, so str.org. And uh, all, all my information is on there. And um, Awesome. Yeah. I'll drop a link in the description for, for the listeners, anyone who wants to check it out. And Perfect. your YouTube channel, of course. So I'll leave that down there as well. Awesome. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure, John. Thank you, Levi. Keep doing the good work, man. You're killing it. Thank you so much for joining us today on Finding Christianity Podcast. I hope and pray that you were encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And if you're someone who's seeking truth, I hope and pray that you have gotten closer to that because Jesus is the truth. Join us next time on the Defending Christianity Podcast. God bless.